Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to the kitchen table. Oh, my friend, I am hoping that as you are working through these beginning weeks of this new year, that you are beginning to stand confidently in the truth that God calls you. He calls you to walk with Him. He calls you to walk confidently with Him and triumphantly with Him. He invites you as His warrior to stand in the battle, knowing that the victory has been won but also knowing that you are fully equipped for what you are experiencing right now. You know, the Lord many months ago now told me, reminded me what it says in Habakkuk 2.2, where it says, write this vision and make it plain so that he may run who reads it. And I want you to understand that the vision for this podcast is to give you in practical ways the ability to connect the truths of the gospel with the life you actually live. And so last week we talked about the need we have to be in the word of God. And Natalia did a beautiful job of beginning to give you, this is how you do it. This is how you spend time in the word and you learn and you grow. There was a free download for you of steps that you could take that she lays out Because I want you to understand that as his warrior, you can open his word for yourself and you need to. The Holy Spirit lives within you and he is the greatest teacher of all time. But this week we're going to take that concept. So if you didn't listen, I'm just going to encourage you to go back one episode. Just go back and listen so that you're set up, so that you have the idea of Oh, this, yes, I can, I can be in the word. I can just interact with the word of God and Jesus alone. And it's not to discount what people write about the word of God, but I want you to understand that he invites you into an intimacy with him where the word becomes alive and active in your life because you sit with the word of God. It says over and over in the Psalms, Let me fall in love with the word. Let me eat of it. Let me taste of it. Let me see that it is good. Let me understand it. Then in the New Testament, we understand that Jesus is the word and he has come in fullness that we could understand it fully and completely, that it is living, it is active, that it does what it's supposed to do, that it never returns void, but it goes forward doing what it's designed to do in our lives. But this week, we're going to take a look at that, and I'm going to address something that I think often happens. It definitely happens to me, and it definitely happens inside of the Kimsey home. And I think it's highlighted best in the story of one of my little ones. He was, um, he is a very earnest child, very um, eager to please, and relationally driven. And 
was undergoing some correction over the course of um, a few months. And I don't know about you and you are parenting your children, but I definitely, as I've learned to be a student of my child and study my children, realize that what God often does with me, he does with them in one way that he interacts with me and with my kids is he begins to gently help me see a pattern of sin in my life. And what I mean by that is often it's not just this one random sin here and then a different random sin there that I see and a different random sin there that I see, although those exist. But what God will begin to do with me as he is working on my heart in an area is he will begin to break my heart of the thing that I hold higher than him, of the action that I love or I choose before I choose him. And he does the same thing with my kids. And maybe he does it with yours so that I can be in a season of parenting with my kids. And it's like, all I feel like I'm doing with this one kid is talking about this one subject. Like they continually are doing this one thing and they may do it with me. They may do it with a brother. They may do it out in public. They may do it. I mean, everywhere they're doing it, whatever it might be. And if that ever happens in your home with any of your kids, I want you to actually allow the Holy Spirit to give you eyes to see that. Pray that he will, because that's where the gospel will become super clear to that kid. And if God is doing that with you in a place like maybe right now, it's every time you turn around, you're realizing you totally are doubting God's goodness. Or maybe every time you're turning around and you're like, all I ever struggle with is the fact that my pride is always on top of everything. Or I'm so caught in anxiety. I can't stop being anxious. If that is you, understand that God's mercy is calling to you in that. He is calling to set you free in that. That is, that is the place for you to hide in the word of God and to find answers because that's what he's stirring up and saying, this is not of me and this is binding you. And this, I want to, I came to set you free here that you may have life. That's why we're in the word. But often for me, it takes a while for me to recognize that that's what God is doing. I mean, the first time I'm hammered by my selfishness, for instance, I'm just like, yeah, I'm selfish. Second time, I'm like, yeah, there it is again. Well, that's embarrassing. Third time, I'm like, oh gosh, there it is again. I still don't really catch on, right? Until finally, I begin to go, God, every time I turn around, I'm acting selfishly. I'm rude. I don't want to help people. I don't want to be with anybody. And, And maybe you haven't experienced that, but oh my goodness, I do. And it's in there that the Lord begins to say, Bethany, I came to set you free there. And I came that you could understand the gospel there, that you could understand that my son had to die for you there. Because in and of yourself, you will never bring anything to the table but selfishness. So that's, that's why this happens oftentimes. But I just want to tell you a story. This particular child is highly motivated to please others. It is a driving force in his life that ultimately needs to come under God's control as well. But in this moment, over the course of the last few weeks, this child had really been struggling in this one area of relating 
to their siblings. And over and over, I was finding myself rebuking and correcting and training, disciplining and reminding this child of this one thing. And yes, I admit some of the times that I was doing my rebuking and training, I was irritated because I was tired of doing it. Other times, I think I was more patient and kinder. But there was this one time and I was in the kitchen and all the other kids were around and this child had done this thing yet again. And he looked at me with tears in his eyes. And he said to me, will I ever get this right? Will I ever, ever change? And don't we often feel that way? When we're struggling with something and we're caught in the middle of it, don't we often just want to burst out before God and say, will I ever get this right? Will I ever change? And I want you to know something, if you at all feel that way, especially after last week when we talked about being in the Word, and you're like, that's great, Bethany, and I want to be in the Word, and yet I'm in the Word, and it, I can't get it right. I can't get anything to change. I want to actually try and connect this big concept of how God works in us into our everyday life, make it come alive for you, And I pray that the Holy Spirit will whisper to you, this is for you this week. And then, because whatever we fill ourselves with will overspill out into those around us. When we fill up on the truth of what sanctification is really all about, which is a big Christianese word, but we're going to define it and we're going to talk about it in the word of God this week. When we talk about it and we understand it, then, oh my goodness, when our child turns to us and says, will I ever be different? Will I ever not stop doing this? You can offer them the hope of Jesus in that moment because it is filled up inside of you because you've experienced it. So what did I say to Josiah that day? I said, yes, buddy. Yes. You on your own? No. You'll never change. This is just part of your sin nature in your flesh to have the tendency to do this. But with Jesus, yes, you will change because he's committed to changing you. So when we talk about the gospel and we talk about the fact that we have been saved by grace, by Jesus, and that then in that moment, we are then sealed through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has been given to us. And Jesus says to his disciples, he says, it's far better that I go, that the Spirit might come to you, that he will lead you into all truth, that he will counsel you, that he will teach you. That is his role in our lives. And it ushers in for us this space and time in which we live now, after having been justified, which we've already talked about earlier on this year, understanding the gospel of you have been made new, You've been made righteous. Your identity is different because of Jesus. You are now in a space of time that we like to call in fancy language, sanctification. And I say that even to my kids when I'm talking to my kids. And I'm like, you have been justified. You have been made righteous because of what Jesus did. And now you are being sanctified. You are being made new. 
So what does that mean for us? This is where we have to learn to allow the word to work in our lives. So as a warrior, we need to love the word. We need to be in the word. But as a warrior, we need to allow the word to work in our lives. So that means we have to understand this journey that we're on. So what is sanctification? Well, it is the process of the spirit revealing to you just what I've already kind of nice, like in talking conversation explained to you when the Holy Spirit begins to consistently bring up this one issue, this one topic, this one thing, he's highlighting it to you, showing it to you over and over. It is not to grind your face in the dirt with it. It is because he wants to change you. He wants to make you new here. And he knows that the way to do this is first to call your attention to it, to help you see it, to help you see it in light of scripture, in light of why it's not. It's not how you want to be walking. And then once we begin to get convinced of, I do not want this in my life, then the next step of this, this walking this out is allowing the word to work in our lives is this sanctifying part. So what is sanctification? Because I want us to be really clear because I think that the enemy loves to tell us and to tell our kids, just like my kid in the kitchen, you'll never get it right. You'll never be set free. This will always be your issue. And that is his lie and not God's truth. But sanctification is ongoing. It is an ongoing process through which God continually highlights and shows, well, here it is. I'm asking you to surrender it again to me. I'm asking you to bring it to the cross again, knowing that Jesus has died for this, Bethany. Now you surrender it and allow me to work there. It is ever deepening. You will see this thing, this area that God wants to work on. And always with me, I see it first on surface level. Oh, it's not so bad. I don't mind it so much. It's like, oh, I mean, yeah. was a little bit bad. Sorry. I'm sorry. Lord, help change that in me. And it's a little surfacey, but it's ever deepening. You see, sanctification work is deepening work where God goes, oh, actually it invades your motives here too. Oh, actually it's underlying this whole interaction here too. Oh, actually, if you look, it's an idol you worship here. You see, it's ever deepening. Because the work is ever cleansing. It increases in intimacy. The more we begin to relate to the Holy Spirit there and say, God, I'm seeing it again. The more we become dependent on him to set us free from it. Sanctification increases our awareness. We are beginning more and more to look at ourselves in those places. Lord, am I being motivated by that again? And then truthfully, as we walk in this way with the Holy Spirit, leading you to repentance becomes faster. See, just like I relayed before, the first time I see it, I'll be honest, I'm generally not repentant. I may be sorry because I got caught, but I'm not grieved. 
over the sin or the idol I'm worshiping or the way I love myself more than God. I'm just like, yeah, oops. And that's not repentance. But the more I see it, the more he quickens my heart to it, the more I begin to go, my goodness, it's invading every place around me. When I understand sanctification, I understand the intimacy that's offered. I understand the forgiveness that is being granted with my repentance. When I understand the cleansing that comes with the posture of humility saying, God, change me in this. Then my repentance comes more quickly because I have tasted of his mercy and I know his grace and I want more of it. You see, sanctification helps us understand the deep wells of God's grace and his mercy because we understand the vastness of the mess that our sin creates. But what is sanctification not? Because this is where we really need to understand and be able to discern who's speaking to us. Sanctification is not something that's one and done. I mean, I'm just going to give you insight, both for you and for your parenting. Your kid's not going to lie only one time in their life. And it's just a one and done. And man, they learned their lesson and it will never happen again. They're not going to be mean to a sibling or disrespectful to you only one time because, man, you just have this magical way of disciplining them and they're never going to do that again. It's not one and done. It's ongoing, but we're going to look in the word in a minute and we're going to see, and it's going to give you tremendous hope because God knows it's not one and done. And he's committed to the process with you and with me. And so therefore we, even as we turn around, as we taste of his, as we taste of his forgiveness and as we taste of his mercy and his grace, and we realize that we can't get to the bottom of it, then we can turn around and spill that into our children's lives when it's the third, fourth, eighth, 20th time we're discussing the same topic with them. Because the hope is not that my mercy and my grace is never ending. The hope, the assurance is that God's is, that my child can never come to an end of God's grace and mercy. And that's what I have to offer them when I'm correcting them. So sanctification, the work of that's not one and done. That's not the expectation of God. So if somewhere along the way in your theology, you picked up that if you mess up again in the place that you messed up before, that therefore it's, it's over for you. And I'm going to just refute that right now. That's not true. It's not layered with condemnation. You see, sanctification is not layered with shame. It's not layered with speaking about you as, um, in your personhood being rejected, being turned away from, being you're not, God, the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to you in a way that would embarrass, bring shame. That's not how he speaks to you. And we know this from Romans 8.1. You see, Paul has just given this complete litany of all that he, you know, wrestles with. And this is where you have this passage where he says, you know, if I don't do the thing, the things that I do that I don't want to do, I keep on doing what is my hope? And then he realizes at the end of Psalm 7, I mean, Romans 7, he says, wretched man that I am who will deliver me from this body of death. And he says, thanks be to God. And then in Romans 8, 1, he says this, he says, there is therefore now no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if the voices that you are hearing, if the um, words that are being said to you are condemning, layering in shame, saying that you are no good, of no value, you are worthless, you should stop. Those are the words of the enemy of your soul. So today, here at the end, we want to understand, so what therefore? Why is sanctification something? How does it work? And where do we see it in the word? Because that's important. We have got to anchor a truth in the word of God. We need to mark up our Bibles. We need to connect the dots. Because the only way for us to overflow with this hope for our kids in that moment when they turn to you and say, will I ever be different? Is for it to be something that is so locked in in our own hearts that we've tasted and we know and so that we can share it. It can overspill. So I want us to go to Colossians 3. We're actually going to do two passages in Colossians. Colossians 3 and then Colossians 2. But in Colossians 3.16, it says this. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, with thanksgiving in your heart to God. And then if we look at Colossians 2, 6 and 7, it says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So these two passages are instructional passages that Paul is giving the Colossian church and giving us. And what I want you to understand is in the first one, Colossians 3, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Y'all, we have to pursue the word of God. Part of this is our action. There is a, a letting. And so we are letting God's word be something that lives within us. It's not a visitor. We can't visit the word of God once a week when somebody tells us something about the scripture, it can't be a, a casual every so often we turn and look for a Bible verse. We want to allow the word of God to dwell in us richly, to take up residence, to be in abundance. It is only then that it begins to work and move. Secondly, that second passage of Colossians 2 He says, as you receive Christ Jesus, that's when you came to know Jesus as your Savior. That's that moment in time. Then it says, so walk in him. And that word walk in him is an ongoing verb. I know sometimes in our English language Bibles, they just kind of all look like the same kind of a verb. And it's important to spend time in the word and go, well, is this just the same old verb? But it's not. This is an ongoing verb. And in essence, what God is saying, look, I know you received Jesus as your Savior, and now I'm calling you walk in Him. In other words, be walking in Him. I understand this is a process that you're a part of, and you'll be growing in it and ever deepening and ever more intimate and ever more learning and ever more repenting ways. Just continue, my child. That's what God is inviting you to. But it is so that because when the word of God dwells in us richly, when we begin to posture our hearts saying, okay, God, okay, yeah, I I want, I want that. I want to continue walking in you. 
Well, what's interesting about the Colossians 2 passage is that those next three verbs, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, those are actually passive voice verbs. And they're ongoing, which means they're going on all the time. So it's not just a one and done action. You're not rooted once. It's an ongoing rooting. It's an ongoing building up and it's an ongoing establishing in your faith. But those are actually verbs that are being done to you, not verbs that you have to do. And I talk to a lot of mamas and they will send me messages like, Bethany, I'm forever struggling with this and I keep trying to get it right and I keep trying to be done and I keep trying to walk different. And what I always want to tell them is then just be in his word and turn your face to him and say, God, I want you. God, I want to know you. And it's not to give you this cheap answer, but it is to help you begin to understand just a glimmer today of the invitation of the fact that a warrior who allows the word to work in her life is actually choosing surrender. And the rest of that work is a work that is done to her. But you and I are called to actively surrender to actively say, yes, God, I see it again. God, I am repenting. It grieves my heart that I am here again. It is a hunger to be in the word to find what is the answer, God? If my problem is I, I get easily angered or I'm easily panicked, easily anxious, easily full of doubt, easily desiring, I just always want to be in control and know what's going to happen next. Whatever that is, when we begin to say, God, I hunger for your word to answer this for me, that is the act of surrender. And that is allowing the word to begin to work. That is where he begins to establish you in your faith. That's where he begins to root you down in his word and anchor you to the word where you begin to be convinced of what he says in his word. Like in 2 Timothy 3, where he says all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Why? Verse 17, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. God's word will change you. It's what it's designed to do. But you and I are called to the posture of surrender, to the posture of saying, yes, Lord, I want to hear from you. I want to know what you have to say. And I want you to teach me. So until we begin to understand that, we are not going to allow the word to work in our lives. Instead, we'll be stuck in a cycle that says, I've got to figure out how to do it and how to fix myself. And that is not the gospel. You're not called to fix yourself, my friend. You can't bring anything to this table for salvation. And you can't bring anything to this table for sanctification. They're his work. You are called to believe and to surrender and to walk with him. I want to, here at the very end, help you understand one last thing. Over and over in scripture, when it's written about, it's written about the fact that your walk of faith is a race. And that implication is that it's not a sprint but that it is a marathon. 
and that what you are about and what you are doing and who you are becoming is something that God has committed to until the day he brings you home to be with him. And so as we grow and learn, we need to grant ourselves the same grace and the same mercy that God grants us and give ourselves time to learn and grow. You see, not only does the enemy of our soul want to condemn us, but oftentimes our own flesh does. But you and I need to be a light to our kids too about this. But the only way for us to be able to speak into the lives of our kids how God can be at work changing them through the Holy Spirit is because we have allowed God to be at work through the Holy Spirit in our own lives. My prayer for you is that if you realize you need this more and more, I want you to know that we are creating a space for you to experience this, to work these things out in community with other mamas, to understand them for yourself, and then have the language to talk to your children about these things. The community will be opening up at the end of this month. I can't wait for you to join us. I'm looking forward to how God is growing this community of moms who are learning how to be warrior-like in their faith, not just for themselves, but for their children. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.